Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Best of the Joe Show, where we run back some of the best audio you've heard on this station over the past 24 hours. I'm Dan Day, and on the way this Tuesday, got some sound from Joe Rose Show. He's on in the mornings. Dan Lebetard show, he's on in the middays. He's talking to Aaron Rodgers. That's going to be a treat. And then finally, Stephen A. Smith, who's on someone in the afternoons right here, talking to Chris Mortensen, star-studded lineup today. But first, let's get into those headlines. Minka Fitzpatrick has been traded to Pittsburgh. In return, the Dolphins receive future draft picks, including a 2020 first-round pick. The Finns play the Cowboys this Sunday at 1. In other NFL news, the Browns down the Jets last night 23-3, and the Giants plan to start rookie QB Daniel Jones this Sunday against the Bucks. Following a 63-0 win and throwing for three TDs along with 254 yards against Bethune-Cookman, Kane's quarterback, Jaron Williams, has been named the ACC Rookie of the Week. Miami plays Central Michigan Saturday. Listen to it here on 560 The Joe WQAM. FAU will open the 2021 season in Gainesville against Florida. The Gators play two other Sunshine State teams that season, South Florida and Florida State. The Heat have signed guard Michael Mulder to a training camp contract. Mulder and center Bam Adebayo were college roommates at Kentucky. The Florida Panthers played two preseason games yesterday in Nashville, defeating the Predators in the first match 6-3, then dropping the second 1-0. Next up, tomorrow night in Montreal against the Canadiens. The Marlins lost 7-5 yesterday in Arizona. They take on the D-backs again tonight. First pitch is at 9:40. And now, let's step into the day spa. <sighs> this one is full of bull. Here we go. First day spa headline. A lab fire in Australia recently destroyed more than 100 cryogenic cylinders of bull semen. Ooh, what a cleanup. A festival in Germany has broken the Guinness World Record for largest pork schnitzel cooked, weighing in at 2,663 pounds. Maybe they did not make beef schnitzel due to the aforementioned lab fire. And finally, some on the internet are claiming that the Chicago Bulls logo, when turned upside down, is not suitable for work. I'm pretty perverted, but I don't see it. What do you think? Check it out on my Twitter page, at Dan Day Radio. Now on to weather, brought to you by Hylia Park. Tonight's forecast is cloudy with temperatures in the mid-80s. For the best poker promotions in South Florida, visit Hylia Park Poker Room. Come win your share of $350,000 in monthly high-hand giveaways. That's more than $10,000 a day in high hands. Why play anywhere else? Visit HyliaPark.com for more info. Waking up with a cup of Joe or just with the Joe Rose Show. Weekdays, 6 a.m., 10 a.m. Earlier today, Joe Rose and the guys talking with SEC expert Carter Blackburn, giving you some Tua coverage. Is Tua the real deal? How strong is the SEC? And is from the bomb. We're going to bring on Carter Blackburn, the lead play-by-play announcer for CBS Sports Network's coverage of college basketball and college football. Also our personal Tua evaluator uh, all season long. He doesn't know it yet, but he just has become it for the next uh, four and a half to five months before the NFL draft. Carter, welcome to the show and welcome all season long to Tua coverage. 
Hey, thank you very much. That's so that, that's that's where we're at right now, right? Correct. I mean, that, 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 that it's that it is dra- it's, it's, it's draft coverage or nothing, and I don't blame you. I don't blame you one lick for nope. looking to the future. Yeah, nobody nobody wants to be right after two weeks in the NFL and going. All right, so you've seen Tua now, and it's really interesting because he's got probably the best batch of receivers by far in college football playing and he obviously is really good so how do you you've seen him make all the throws and and he's got guys mm-hmm. that take swing passes and run 80 yards but what what do you think of two is a real deal to uh, you real deal i think if you're and this is you've got four to five months and and all the scouts will as well if you're if you're uh if you are nitpicking, uh, and there there isn't a whole lot to nitpick, but I mean, a guy who's six one. I mean, I guess if you're building a if you're building the prototypical uh, quarterback who's going to be your franchise guy moving forward, you want him to be a little bit taller than that. Uh, but that's that, that's just about it. Yeah. I mean, one of the other things that evaluators look for is how you deal with adversity, and, and he hasn't had a whole lot of that at Alabama. That's a good thing, right? You you want to. Uh, by one by one token, you see you want a guy who's used to winning, and and uh, but then you also want a guy. Hey, how how is he going to respond when things don't go well? Well, two is two has had injury, you know, hurts coming in and uh, and playing in that SEC championship game. It's it, there's there's been there has been adversity. He's responded to it well. He he didn't he didn't come in and, and was handed the job like uh, like some quarterbacks in college football now or, or win that as a true freshman. So you've you've been through a lot already. You've certainly been in the spotlight. You're going to be in the spotlight even more physically. Every every everything's there. Like I said, if, if you're looking if you're looking for one thing that that would be all right. I wish you. I wish this guy was uh, three, four inches taller. But that's that's just about it. Carter, do you guys get to meet uh, w- when you meet with Alabama? I know you get Nick Saban. Do you just do you get a chance to also meet with Tua? I have never. Uh, I've never uh, shaken hands with Tua. So uh, so I've I've never. Yeah, I've never, I didn't I've know. Never if... Sat across. A, I've never sat across the table from Tua, but obviously from. Everything I've ever heard about him, he's a terrific young man, that's for sure. Carter, I, I gotta tell you, the SEC is going to be fun to watch, man. LSU, the way they're playing, Georgia's just getting better and better. Alabama, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, this thing, even Florida, even though they got their backup quarterback now, also a good team. This looks like, you know, when people talk about the SEC being really strong, it looks like it's going to be fun down the stretch here, see what's going to happen. Well, Saturday I have Auburn at Texas A&M, and you're you're looking at two very good teams who are in the top 25, who are are eight, nine, uh, potentially ten win teams, and Auburn has one of the best wins of the year, comeback That's win right. over Oregon, and and yet the the projection anyway is that those two teams are fighting for third and fourth place in the SEC West. I mean, we, we we've grown accustomed to that being the powerhouse division in college football. But when you put it in those terms that, that you can be a perennial top 20 team, go beat top teams from other conferences, and you are still in a position where you are looking up at two teams who uh, could possibly end up together out of your division in a college football playoff. That's, uh, that's how stacked it is. I mean, there's, there's, there's certainly a, an undercurrent where people say, well, college football is more than the SEC and it's a little bit overblown and, you know, you can you can follow that you can follow that as long as you want to, but 
when it comes down to it, there's just a bunch of really good football teams, especially in that SEC West. You got another interesting game that night on CBS, Notre Dame at Georgia. Uh, that's an 8 p.m. kickoff there. Uh, Georgia, obviously the second best, or we think maybe second best team, if not LSU in the SEC, and Notre Dame going there. Uh, what do you see in that game? Uh, of course, another uh, <clears throat> valuation on Fromm, the quarterback there in Georgia. Oh, yeah, another one of those guys. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. I, w- I, was ju- I was just going to say this is this – is- <laughs> what a delight it is to be able to do all of this evaluating all season long, knowing exactly what you need. I guess right. I guess there's 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 more than one need at this point, but I guess at the top of the list, the guy who touches the football, uh, Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm's terrific. When you when you go back to him leading the drive to beat uh, Notre Dame in South Bend, that's one of the most significant moments in Georgia football history because it puts Georgia back at not just in the discussion, but back in the top five national championship contender, which obviously they've turned out to be. Uh, and now to say Jake Fromm, I mean, what what, what he's accomplished and gone through in, uh, in, in his time, you beat out Jacob Eason, who may be a, a first round pick himself uh, as a quarterback and, and Fromm beats him out uh, and then beats out Justin Fields. I mean, it's, he, he has, he has lived a college. You could make a you could make a Jake from football life right now, and he's 21 years old. And you're in a position where now, when Notre Dame comes to Georgia on a Saturday night, it's the Georgia Bulldogs who are the team who is in position to contend for a national championship, and Notre Dame is talking about trying to pull off a, a rather monumental upset on Saturday in Athens. That's a that's a strong compliment to Jake Fromm in Georgia. Carter, how long before Jimbo Fisher is going to be in one of those elite teams? Because it's just a matter of time with the resources and money at A&M that he's going to really, I think, be really competitive in the SEC. Do you agree? I do. I, I would say I had the, I had them right around, uh, well, it was late October, something like that last year. And I'm looking at Texas A&M's schedule and going, boy, I'm not sure where they're going to get another couple of wins. And I think they won three games from there. In other words, they, they overachieved at the end of last year and got to nine wins. They have to play better against Auburn on Saturday than they did in their big matchup at Clemson two weeks ago. That was Kellen Mond. Aggie quarterback had one of his worst games. They averaged two yards a carry in that game at Clemson, and they have to play better than that on Saturday and, and the rest of the way in the SEC. But yes, the pieces are there, and they are certainly they are certainly looking much more like a a team that will contend very soon in the SEC West. Maybe again, you you can be you can be a very solid program in the top twenty five and still be fighting for third and fourth place in the SEC West. But that's the the Aggies are. The Aggies are getting pretty, pretty close. Carter, nice job, though. That was the two of tease that you right. did. We got to let good. you run, but yeah. the two of tease, very nice. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely, guys. My <laughs> pleasure. SEC always strong, and Joe Rose always strong in the morning. What I like about Joe Rose, he and I are on that heavy coffee crew. We get up, we drink a bunch of coffee, and we let it ride throughout the day. Be sure to get up with Joe Rose and the guys tomorrow beginning at 6 a.m. As your day goes on, though, you get Dan Lebetard. Very, very Miami. Next, though, he's talking with Green Bay's Aaron Rodgers on the Best of the Joe Show. This is the Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. My name is Dan Day. Won't you stalk me and follow me on Twitter at Dan Day Radio, always have some fun stuff going on there, like the day spa that I called out earlier. Got some music, some concerts, some information, maybe a little bit of sports. Today, it is Jersey Tuesday. Take a guess on what jersey I'm wearing. Huh? Huh? You can see on my Twitter page, at Dan Day Radio, but I'll give you a sneak peek. Chelsea FC, Christian Pulisic, my guys, big soccer match. 
every Tuesday wearing a jersey. Try to post that up on the Twitter page. Dan Levitard always posts it up on this radio station from 10 to 1 on weekdays. Earlier, he caught up with the great one, Aaron Rodgers. They talked about hanging with the Dalai Lama, his Tarantino movie love, Game of Thrones, Keanu Reeves, his competitive relationship, and then finally, finally, they get to talking football. One of the few athletes still willing to come on our show is about to join us. We love him. We do. Uh, Dan really loves him. It's Aaron Rodgers. He joins us right now on the Shell Penzoil Performance Line. Thank you, as always, Aaron, for making time for us. Last time we talked to you, uh, you had just come off a trip in the offseason uh, where you visited the Dalai Lama. Anything uh, hugely different and stimulating that you did this offseason that would uh, the audience would enjoy hearing about? Oh, man, nothing like the Dalai Lama. But he sends his best to both you guys today. He's a big fan of the show. <laughs> well, please send him my best next time you see him. The Tarantino movies. I read that you love Tarantino movies in uh, in The Ringer. Uh, the top three, according to Aaron Rodgers, are? Oh, it's so hard. I'm probably just by default. The first one I saw was Pulp Fiction. That would be number one. I've seen that the most. Second, I'm going to have to put the new one. I don't know if anybody's seen it. Wow. Wow. I think the acting in it is so phenomenal. I really do. And the story, obviously, has got a great typical Tarantino twist. But, uh, yeah, I just think Brad and Leo and uh, Gal are just, uh, Mario Robbie are just so amazing. Um, they really are. Um, and you got a couple of, you know, famous uh, Tarantino actors with some cameos. Kurt Russell has a little cameo, which is awesome. Um, and then my third, I, you know, I, I've gotten some flack from uh, a friend of mine who's a humongous Tarantino fan, bigger than than I am. But I, I love Hateful Eight. Um, I just think the performances in that one again are just so incredible. Um, obviously, Kurt Russell and Sam Jackson are just amazing. Jennifer Jason Lee is amazing. Um, and it, it, everything kind of happens in that bar, you know, the store. But I just think it's so interesting, uh, the twists in it. And I love the way that he will go back in time and tell stories out of order. Um, it just kind of keeps you invested in the entire movie. You were uh, very publicly, you were very vocal. Uh, you sounded hurt on the Game of Thrones the last season. It felt that you felt betrayed. You said you sounded as if you felt like you wasted seven seasons of your time. No, Dan, don't say that. That's not what I said. You sounded I like said that. I was disappointed by who they chose to put on the throne in the last one. But I did say that I really love the show. I don't regret given up so many years of my life to watch that show because it was fantastic but i just don't think it was a very thrones ending when the entire you know lead up to it all the other seasons you you know you start falling in love with these characters and rooting for them and pulling for them from ned stark right to the end and you're you get your heart broken you know so many episodes when these characters die Egret, you know, you're like John's finally gonna, you know, get some, and that's, you know, I think he hurt for for Kit, for John Kit Arrington, John Snow, because his character arc. I mean, it's so many bad things happen to him. You just think at some point something good has got to happen, like you know, gets sent out from from uh, the north and goes to the wall and gets disrespected up there, then you know goes beyond the wall and meets a woman and finally he has sex, and you know he's he's finally a part of something, and then she dies, and then, 
he comes back and then he's kind of king king in the north and then you know then you know he falls in love again and realizes that's his aunt and you know he's just this <laughs> horrible story arc and then we finally you're thinking all right then he kills he kills her you know spoiler alert and and he's like okay finally you know he's going to be on the throne and he's a targaryen and this is how it's supposed to be nope get right. out of here john <laughs> i mean it sounds like you were hurt it does it yeah. does i wasn't hurt i was just disappointed <laughs> do you feel better now <laughs> I do. this is cathartic thank you guys uh, i'm wondering do you, do you like big dumb movies like top gun point break oh, anything like fast that fast and the furious is there any chance Rank your favorite fast and the furious movie Darren. <laughs> i can't i'm gonna say though I'd rather rank like Keanu Reeves movies because I'm oh, a big Keanu do. fan. I please mean, do. Point Break, come on now. Yes. One of the most underrated films of all time that he did, yes. and I think many of his films are underrated, is Street Kings. Have either of you guys seen Street Kings? Uh, Street Kings? I do not yeah. remember Street Kings. Oh, Who's oh in Street gosh. Kings? Chris Evans, a young Chris Evans is in it. Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> I mean, it's an amazing cast, and he has some incredible one-liners. Obviously, I'm a... John Wick, you know, diehard fan. I love all three of those movies. One of the only, you know, trilogies you can truly say each movie gets better than the previous one, I think. But, uh, you know, I'm a huge Matrix fan. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big, uh, big Keanu fan. He's got a great uh, cameo. I haven't even seen this whole movie, but he's got a great cameo in a, in a newer movie where he's at dinner with this, you know, his, like a new girlfriend and he, just the words that he said. I mean, he's just... He's the man. Wait a minute. A big, you just saw Did you just see that one scene and not the rest of the That's movie? That's all I saw. He was like, oh, you got to see this scene that he's in. You know, he's at dinner and he's, he's it's pretty amazing. Who, who? He's like crying at dinner. He's like praying, <laughs> thinking about eating his food. Oh, man. I got to see the movie now, but I, I just, that's all I cared about was that part. Have you met him? Like, uh, we've talked to you before about some of the people that you end up running into, and they're as big a fan. Aaron Rodgers with us on ESPN Radio. They're as big a fan of you as you are of them. Do you, have you met Keanu Reeves? And who have you met recently where you've been a little awed or even the cool of Aaron Rodgers gets, uh, you know, thawed a little bit? Well, I still kind of got two big names on my list, uh, Keanu, of course, and Sam Elliott. Uh, Sam is, wow. I love you, know, you man. I really a mustache did. inspiration for me for years. Sam Elliott. Uh, Tombstone. Oh, of course. Come on. That's what you're doing with the mustache? That's what you're going for? That's. I want both lips covered. How does uh, how does Danica feel? How does how does Danica feel about the mustache? Not a huge fan. Not a huge fan. <laughs> she hates it. <laughs> um, how does this work with you two in terms of competitiveness? Because I've heard you're like really like like you know all competitionaholics that you you know you get into uh, disagreements with your teammates uh, over competitive things that are meant to be fun, like poker games. So how does it work with her and you? Uh, do you get into many uh, arguments over competitiveness? Yeah, she's kind of a sore loser, so I just let her win most of the time. That's that's what I've learned. That's <laughs> a heady play. <laughs> you no, got a good we, we, story how you learned she was a sore loser? No, I, I don't really have anything I want to embarrass her about. But uh, but we do enjoy playing uh, playing some card games, and well, she, is, uh, she is a very competitive person. Um, even, you know, we'll go out and shoot some hoops in the backyard and, um, she's competitive with that too. Uh, you know, better, you know, cook her dinner or something. She can make 
you know, three out of five free throws or something, and she she's pissed if she doesn't make those three. Aaron, sure. we uh, we we talked about movies a lot. Do you uh, love anything on TV? Do you binge watch anything? I really got into the Afterlife. I've been a big Ricky Gervais fan since the British Office, um, and I thought Afterlife was incredible. Um, and I'm so excited. There's they're filming a season two. Late to the party, but I I got on the uh, documentary now train, which is three seasons in. That's Fred Armisen and Bill Hader and a lot of SNL cast uh, writing and Lauren Michaels producing, and they basically uh, you know do some mockumentaries uh, based off of you know for you know big time docs. Couple of my I mean the first one they did was was a Grey Garden spoof, which is unbelievable, with starring Fred and and Bill. Um, the spoof on the Nook of the North, which was obviously a big you know. You know, almost 100 years ago, uh, Doc is. I've watched that probably 10 times. It's incredible. And then I got into Wild Wild Country. I don't know if you guys saw that that Netflix special about the Osho and the group in Oregon, and they spoof that with Owen Wilson, and it is unbelievably funny. So th- those are the ones uh, I've been I've been getting in on. But I'm I'm always you know listening to my teammates on looking for for new stuff to get into. But I'm I'm excited about Afterlife uh, season two coming out and. Uh, and still enjoying my documentary now. Hey, Aaron, it's Billy. Why do you uh, Why do you hate the wave? I don't hate the wave. I just kind of loud when we're on offense. So I like it when they do it when we're on defense. I feel like you've never done the wave. Like that could be what's going on here. Because <laughs> oh. I was thinking back. So here's the deal. That's a good question. You're an NFL player, right? So That's you go to sporting games. events. We've seen you at you know Milwaukee Bucks games, but you can't really do the wave because you're Aaron Rodgers. And in college, you were also a big deal, so you couldn't do the wave. So I'm thinking the last time you did the wave or tried to start the wave, maybe you were a child and you've just forgotten how fun the wave is. Is that possible? <laughs> That's possible. <laughs> it's probably been since uh, going to the Chico Heat to minor league baseball games that I've done the wave, which would be about uh, you know twenty something years now. So it does look fun, though. I really look at you've missed out on twenty these people, and especially when it's warm and they kind of throw their hands up, and you know it might be a little belly showing on the way up with the shirt. And, Good times. It's a whole communal thing that you've missed out on for like twenty plus years, Aaron. Look, I think this is. Can you make me a promise? Next time you're at a Bucks, just be the guy that stands start, up, start the way that yeah, started. One, yeah. two, because yeah, that's what you have to do, and you have to start the counting. You have to do one, two, three, and then wave. Do that. There's no satisfaction. I know you've won a Super Bowl. There's no satisfaction in life greater than when you get the wave to go all the way really? around the right. first really? time. Okay. Yeah. And you're the one that started that. People will follow you, Aaron. It looks like it takes a while, though, to get everybody doing yes. it because it's like the first couple, nobody wants to do it. No, but if you yeah. did it, if, if you did it, everyone would do it. If you did it in Wisconsin. Yeah, if you did it in Wisconsin, yes. In fact, why don't you start the wave when the other team has the ball? Yes, when they're on offense. Look at right. that. Yes. There you go, Aaron. Would you do that for us this weekend? <laughs> Late in the game. Who do you got this weekend? Wave. Aaron, proves to be the difference. Aaron Rodgers with us on ESPN Radio. Uh, I know you don't like to make excuses, but you didn't look like my beloved Aaron Rodgers last year at the beginning of the season. How hurt were you actually? Because I'm used to you running around and feeling things in the pocket that other people don't feel, and I just felt like you couldn't move like you normally do. I definitely could not. I was... I was uh, dealing with uh, some serious trauma to my to my knee. I think you know I've talked about it. I had a I had a fracture and uh, obviously an MCL uh, issue, and I was pretty stationary for a few weeks. But it got better throughout the year. Um, definitely very painful the first uh, six weeks, especially. 
Aaron Rodgers with us here on ESPN Radio. I'm, I'm a Jets fan, man, and so my season's over already. Um, but I'm wondering, do you do you look at Brady the way we all do? Like, what the hell? He's 42. What the hell, Aaron? I do, and I I think I laugh with him a little bit uh, at when they replace some of the remarks, uh, especially after that Chiefs game. I think a lot of us remember from a few years ago when the <laughs> Chiefs kind of blew him out on a <laughs> Sunday or Monday night, and everybody was. You know, this is it. Brady's done. You know, the Pats are done. And you look at kind of what they've done since then. That's the beauty uh, at times in this sport and playing for him and obviously such a high level, you know. And sometimes you're looking around and you're like, man, I, you know, maybe I need some inspiration this week. And you know, having something like that to go back to whenever you want or any time. You know, people are just waiting, I think, for him to, like, regress. And it's like, it's not happening. Not happening. But the first time he has a game where he doesn't throw three tugs, it's going to be like, oh, well, here it is. You know, here's the beginning. And then, sure enough, there's a little more ammo for him to be like, what'd you say? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going back to the Super Bowl, you know. He does that to Dan a lot. Yeah, he's done it to me for about five seasons. Did you just call touchdowns tugs? Tugs, yeah. Tutters. You've got, you've got nick, nicknames. Best, man. All right, very good. Thank you, Aaron. We appreciate your time, sir. Yeah, have me back more often. Come on. All right. Well, right. I'll bother Tom right later. now. Aaron Rodgers, one cool dude. One great football player, too. Dan Lebetard, he's cool on my list. Coming up next, the guy that never has a cool head. He's got that hot head. He likes to rant. He goes crazy. Stephen A. Smith talking with the great Chris Mortensen. It's the best of the Joe Show. Here we are with the best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day. Speaking of Dan's, on this day, back in 2000, the Miami Dolphins retired Dan Marino's number 13. Oh, what a great quarterback. Hopefully, great quarterbacks to come in the Dolphins' future. Speaking of futures and quarterbacks, it was announced today, Eli Manning benched for the Giants Daniel Jones taking over. You know Stephen A. Smith. He can carry the show by himself. He can rant about that. He's a New Yorker. But instead, he brought in Chris Mortensen to give some analysis. They talked about it. Daniel Jones, what's going on with that? How did he get the starting job in week three? Eli still has gas in the tank. But where does his future lie? Chris Mortensen is on the line with us right now. What's going on, sir? How are you? How's everything? Well, I can tell you're having a better day than yesterday. Yes. I am. More. Okay. I am. More. And, and, and let me. Tom the, Jackson and I get concerned about you sometimes listen, when we see that I'm having a very bad day. Let me tell you something right now. I'm giving you a virtual hug here because leave it to my man Chris Mortson to look out for me and to give me some semblance of good news for crying out loud. Listen, Daniel Jones is the starting quarterback. How did it come to be in Week Three of this season, uh, Chris? Well, I think number one is that Daniel Jones showed and you can say proved in quotes because it was only OTAs and, and, and training camp and preseason, he showed Pat Shermer, the coach, that he is ready to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And, and Shermer has said that frequently. I also think that the Giants' position was basically as long as we're in contention or a contender, Eli's going to be our starter. Eli's not getting benched because of his play in the first two weeks of the season. He's getting benched because... That defense and that team is not a playoff contender. And so, therefore, I think that Shermer feels like, you know, let's get on the, with the business of Daniel Jones. Uh, you know, I'm not sure it's, a, it's the greatest time to put Daniel in there, but he feels he's mentally tough. 
and you know, listen, believe it or not, the Buccaneers' defense with Todd Bowles is pretty good. But you know, you're talking about a, a team that just played a game without top two receivers, Sterling Shepard who had a concussion, mm-hmm. Golden Tate, who's still on suspension. Right. Uh, Cody Latimer got hurt. And, and, a, and a defense that gives up points like crazy. So I think it's just, you know, listen, I'm not sure it's a great time to throw Daniel Jones in there, but, I, but you know, just talking from talking to Shermer and, you know, during the training camp mm-hmm. uh, and also talking to David Cutcliffe. Ironically, what? Eli Manning's offensive coordinator or head coach at, at Ole Miss and, and Daniel Jones, head coach at Duke, it feels like he's very mature and able to withstand tough times, and tough times are ahead. Well, Mort, I got to ask you this, though. I hear what you're saying about Eli Manning, but you see the numbers. Since 2017, third-worst QBR, fifth-fewest yards per attempt. Uh, we right. know, I mean, the, the man can't scramble. He goes down at the sight of a rush, for crying out loud. He's clearly not what he used to be, and the Giants have missed the playoffs six times in the last seven years. I understand what you're saying about the first two games of this season, and that definitely can't be disputed. But there is no doubt that there's been a dissipated level of skill exhibited by Eli Manning and that people have been clamoring for a change for a long time. Why isn't it just cool to say, you know what, it's time to move in a different direction. The Eli Manning era needs to come to an end in New York. Well, I mean, listen, I've heard those voices and I I think that you have numbers and maybe your eyes will support that. By the way, self-survival by quarterbacks has been adopted by many veteran quarterbacks along the way. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't tell Carson Wentz not to be slot going head first or whatever. Uh, when you, when we're Peyton Manning and Tom Brady are smart enough to get down and not get hit. Now, Daniel Jones does bring a certain level of athleticism. I had somebody tell me watching him in training camp that it's, it's kind of like watching Josh Allen and Buffalo play. You, didn't, you don't realize how athletic he is until you see it in person. But let's go back and look at the last eight or nine drafts and personnel decisions by the Giants. Mm-hmm. And if we forget this is a team game. And if if you're if if your team if you're not if you're getting hit, if your receivers aren't in the right spot at the right time, and I still believe that the, there's there's a lot of aspects here. I think Eli went into this season the best shape of his life. His arm was live. I went to the Manning camp. You know, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert, all these young shot quarterbacks. Eli out threw them all. But it is a game that's played uh, amongst team. And I personally think that it's been a bad team. I think they've done a bad job in personnel for a while. And we're seeing the, we're seeing the fruits and really the rotten fruits of what they did or didn't do uh, in the last seven or eight years uh, through the draft. Chris Morrison right here with Stephen A. ESPN Radio, ESPN News. If anybody would know more, it would be you. What exactly have the players been saying to Pat Shermer, to Dave Gettleman about Daniel Jones and his need to be in the lineup because we know throughout history sometimes a coach is forced to make these decisions because you have personnel on your roster that's clamoring for a guy because they believe he's got the goods. Is that what transpired here as it pertains to Eli no, Manning? Uh, Steve, Steve, Jones? I, I think it's I think it's a uh, uh, an erroneous jump. Uh, with all due respect, uh, to, to suggest that players would go to the head coach or general manager and say that we got to get Daniel Jones in there. Okay. I will say this: they certainly sense the excitement from players and from coaches and the front office with what they have seen from Daniel Jones. Mm. Uh, but uh, you know, I've had no indication in talking to people there that this is something that the players are saying. Let's get Daniel in there. Let's get Daniel in there. No, I think it's. I, I really think Daniel's earned this on his own merits, and the combination that the fact that this this Giants team is not very good. And I think I have read and and heard people say, 
you know, let's not waste Saquon Barkley's good years, you know, like like Detroit did with Barry Sanders. There may be some level of truth to that, mm-hmm. but right now the Giants' problem is not Eli Manning. The Giants' problem is that defense and having really a, a battered group of receivers. Well, I, I clearly I appreciate I appreciate it because I clearly wasn't trying to suggest that the players actually did that. I was asking because I said if anybody would know whether that had occurred, it would be you. I'm talking to Chris Mortensen right here with Stephen A. ESPN Radio, ESPN News. That's all I was asking. So having said all of that, where does that leave Eli Manning now? Is he the guy that's going to wait to get back in? Is he the guy that's going to carry a clipboard and be an extension of the coach? Or could it be possible that he'd be looking to be moved to be traded because he believes that he still has a few years left in this in in you know left in his career. I haven't had that direct conversation with Eli, uh, but you know, my here's what I I believe about Eli is that you know he and his wife Abby have four children. They're all under eight years old. They really love where they live there in New Jersey. They're established in school. Mm-hmm. He loves being a New York Giant, uh, and at the same time, uh, you know, he saw his uh, you know yes Peyton because of injury, ended up playing and resurrecting his career despite incredible obstacles physically in Denver. I don't, they're not the same guys. But one thing you have to remember is that Peyton, in his last year, was hurt in Denver. And who came in? Brock Osweiler replaced him. And their intent there was that Osweiler was going to finish that year as a starter and Peyton would finish on the bench. But by you know rehabbing and holding the clipboard and being in that quarterback meeting room and making sure they were ready to play and holding other players around them accountable, making sure they were doing the right thing, what happened? You know the answer to it. Yeah. They went back to Peyton. Near the end of that season, and they end up winning the Super Bowl, even if he wasn't the sensational Peyton. I think that Eli wants to remain a giant. I think that he, I know he has a no trade clause. It doesn't make sense right now. Other teams, their situations don't match up, and 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 you have a salary cap situation where some of these teams, like the Jaguars with Nick Foles and Drew Brees and Saints, those guys, those quarterbacks are coming back and they're making a lot of money. Forgive me if this is a silly question, but did the Giants make this move with the idea that Daniel Jones is our starting quarterback from here on out, or did they make this move to say, "Okay, let's see what they let's see what he's got," and we always have Eli to fall back to? Uh, they made the move that Daniel Jones is our starting quarterback, and we're going forward, and that, that's really what, what what this is. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing more than that. And I think when Pat Shermer said what he said yesterday at the uh, press conference, you knew then that. They, you don't say that unless you're moving to Daniel Jones. And they, I think they've determined that uh, they're not a playoff team. Last question for you. John Mara was on the record uh, a few months ago saying that he had hoped to not see Daniel Jones this season at all because that would mean Eli Manning was having a great season and that's what he was anticipating, not to see Daniel Jones at all. Uh, is this a Pat Shermer, uh, Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman decision? Or, or, or it seems obvious that they would talk to ownership about this simply because it's Eli Manning. Is that fair to yeah, assume? Yeah, I think you're, you're right on all marks. I mean, listen, like I said, the the best hope for the franchise, I think it was John Mara was saying when he said it was, we hope we're in contention and we don't have to go to Daniel Jones. What did Dave Gettleman say at the Combine before the draft when it was clear they were going to draft the quarterback? And they, he said, I prefer the, the Kansas City model, meaning Patrick Mahomes. You sit all year behind Alex Smith, and then 
you'll take over the job. I, so that, to me, was their, always their intent. But this roster was not good enough to carry that out. Chris Morrison, appreciate it. Great work as always, buddy. Thanks so much for calling me, man. Really appreciate it. All right, Stephen it. A. Love you. Talk Take to you later. Same. Love you too. That'll about do it for the best of the Joe Show. Remember, you can download the podcast for this show or any of the shows that you hear on this radio station. Joe Rose in the morning, Dan Lebetard in the midday, Stephen A. Smith in the early afternoon, and on your drive home, the Hockman and Crowder Show. Quick reminder, tomorrow it will be Hockman Hump Day, so you will hear from Hockman and Crowder. All you have to do, go wherever you get your podcast. It's absolutely free. You can download the radio.com app, or you can go to our website, wqam.com, and give us a follow on Twitter, at 560WQAM. Give me a follow, at Dan Day Radio. I'm getting out of here. I'm actually going out to the Duffy's in Sunrise, where I'll be hosting Trivia Night beginning at 9 o'clock Tuesday nights. Won't you stop by, answer some trivia questions, win some prizes. If you can't do that tonight, be sure to stop by tomorrow night on this radio station, because the best of the Joe Show will be back on at 6 o'clock. Thanks for rocking with us. Thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for listening to us. Thanks for just being alive and spreading the good vibes. It is the best of the Joe show. Later, slug. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 